I said Merry Christmas to a group of people last um, Thursday, and they said, we won't see you next week. I said, yeah, I'll be here, but you only get to say it once a year, so you need to say it as often as you can. Anyway, so Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Father, we thank you very much for your great love and grace. We thank you for being our God and taking care of us. We, we think about what it is that you have done for us this time of year, and we are overwhelmed, and uh, we just stand amazed at your remarkable love and grace for us. Lord, we are thankful that we can gather together today in a church to direct our attention toward Jesus Christ on the Sunday before Christmas, that we might be reminded once again that um, this celebration is far more than the glitz and the glitter, that it is Jesus Christ. And Lord, we just are thankful that we can celebrate that. We thank you for all the wonderful fun we have, for the gifts and the decorations and the beauty and the wonder of the season. But we recognize that without you, it's just an exercise in futility trying to pump oneself up for one day a year. But because of you, it is sustainable, it is real, and it is life-changing. And so we thank you and we worship you because of that. Thank you that we have teachers and students today who are in the Word of God, and we pray that you would just use this time in a remarkable way. And we look forward to the service that follows. We give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning everybody is doing a little bit of a different um, Christmas lesson of some sort. And so what what we're going to do today is we are going to ponder or consider the miracles of the Christmas story, what we call the Christmas story. And we're going we're gonna to look at the Christmas story in, in great detail from start to finish. So um, what we're going to do is I'm going to read it. And you can follow along, obviously. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation today because it's a little bit different, and I thought it would be interesting. Anytime we have something that is common, I think it's nice to read out of a different version every once in a while, and we catch different things. But here's what I want you to do, and then we're going to have a discussion afterwards, and then we're going to look at some verses and go beyond that. What I would like you to do, please, is I would like you to note. You can write them down. Use your bulletin. Use your little pieces of paper that are in the pew. There's some pencils there. You have writing utensils, I'm sure. And I'd like you to write down all of the miracles, what, what we're going to call for the sake of our conversation today, the miracles of Christmas, and write down all of the different ways that God providentially made things take place for the story to be what the story is. Okay? So... Basically, we're, we're, we're wanting to note the things that God did. We want to discuss those for a little while, and then we want to turn it into something else. And I think that you will enjoy it, and hopefully it will be very challenging for you today. So I'm going to read a lot, obviously, because there's a lot to it. We're going to start with the Gospel of Luke in chapter 1. And I'm going to, I'm going to read um, the story about... Um, Elizabeth and Zacharias to be Zachariah to begin or to begin with here, and um, we we want to um, do that and kind of get going from there. Uh, so Luke chapter one, beginning at verse five, and uh, we'll just go for a while. When Herod, Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. 
Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commands and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, How can this How can I be sure that this will happen? I am an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you did not believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Let's jump on down to verse number 26. Well, no, I, let me, I beg your pardon. Let me just keep reading. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. And they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterwards, his wife Elizabeth became pri- pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. Continue along, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, many tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor ancestor David. He will reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby born will be holy, and will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but now in her sixth, she's in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. Go to Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, 
an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until, she, uh, until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Now we go back to Luke chapter 1 and continue reading in verse number 39. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived, and then she entered the house and, and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you among all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you have believed that the Lord would do what he said. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. And he sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he has made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then she went back to her own home. Then we read about the birth of John the Baptist, beginning in verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zachariah after his father, but Elizabeth said, No, his name is John. What? they exclaimed. There is no one in your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. He mentioned, motioned, excuse me, for a writing tablet and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and he began praising God. Ah, fell upon the whole neighborhood, and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, what will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. And his father was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. For we have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. 
you will tell his people how to find salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us in the path of peace. And John grew up and became strong in spirit and he lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. Continuing in Luke chapter 2 then. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds standing in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Do not be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize Him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel is joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angel said, Return to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let us go to Bethlehem. Let us see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and, the, and, about, and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. And um, then we want to, let me think, I want to go, oh, we're just going to keep reading here. It says this, eight days later, the baby was circumcised and he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived. Then it was time for the purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says that if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the, of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon, and he was righteous and devout and was clearly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby, Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, the baby's mother. This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts 
of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your soul. Let's go back to Matthew now. And we'll read Matthew chapter 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. At about that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and said, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, you are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went on their way, and the star which they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up. Flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child that killed him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt and with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who are trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that a new ruler of Judea was Herod's son Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then, after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophets had said. He will be called a Nazarene. All right. A lot of stuff. A fascinating story, isn't it? an amazing thing. So, what are some of the things that you observed, and I'm going to write them all down here, all the ones that you list, what are some of the things that you observed as being the miracles or the providential work of God in order to make the Christmas story be what the Christmas story is? Okay, people serving God, all right? Okay, okay. Zacharias was chosen by lot, and then he had an encounter. Yes. 
Okay, two women. Yep, older and barren. And one was a virgin. And they bore children. Very good. Oh, come on, your hands should be flying up here. You guys were supposed to write these down. Okay, appearance of angels. Okay, and how many did we have of those? Did anybody keep track? Okay. Went to Zacharias, went to Mary, went to Joseph, went to... Yep, yep, so he went to Joseph at the beginning and then at the end also. So we see, so we'll just do them all. So we got Zacharias, Mary, Joseph, Joseph again, the wise men, Joseph a third time, come back, shepherds, you bet, and the wise men, did I count them twice or is that it? Okay, so either seven or eight times, any others? Huh? Don't know. Doesn't say, so was it all Gabriel? We don't know. We know that it was for sure a couple times. Yes. Yes. I think that angels are incredibly frightening creatures. I think that our day and age that is making angels these cute little cuddly things, yeah, I'm not buying that. I think that angels are quite the sight. And I think that your natural response is to be terrified. Yes. Okay. Okay, so the glory, yeah, it was the glory of God, right. Yes, it was the glory of the God. Yeah. All right, keep going. Some others. Yes. Okay, so we have a star. Very good. Okay, you betcha. We had Zacharias, and you'll notice in the New Living Translation they called him Zechariah. So, but Zacharias um, lost his voice, and we can add to that then, and then regained it. Okay. Oh, very good. That was a good one. Both maybe the angels determine the name of the babies, right? The angels are the ones that that so. We can say the angels are God, name the babies. Good. Yes, John in the womb. Okay? That's a cool thing, isn't it? And staying in that world, there's another thing. Exactly. Is that, the, is that Elizabeth received the Holy Spirit exactly right? And because of that, what? She knew. That's right. Elizabeth knew Messiah in Mary's womb. Okay? That's right. Elizabeth also used the word her Lord. That's exactly right. So she knew. And that was, that was the Holy Spirit doing a work in her life. That's exactly right. Some more? Very good. And so we have angels appearing in person and in dream. Very good. A little louder. Simeon. Very good. Simeon. And there's a couple things with Simeon. And what was the one? What did you say? The rest of it. 
Yep, that he was going to see the Lord. And then it's an interesting thing that he was told that you will see the Lord before you die and then keep running with Simeon. What else was interesting about Simeon? He recognized and that the Lord put Simeon where? At the temple that day. And so we see that the, that the Lord, um, I'm going to say, moved Simeon at the right time. Okay? He did, and, and that was mentioned. That, that he, yep, that's right, it wasn't loud enough. That, that, that Simeon also um, was given all of that by the angel. That's exactly right. He was told about the future. Okay? Very good. Yes? He did. God provided protection. Very good. And what happens is we tend to almost overlook that because we've noticed that the angel came and told them to do something. But in the angel doing that, what was the angel do? What was God doing? Providing protection. Very good. Yes. Yes, we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. And so there was, there was, um, and I'm just going to use this for the sake of our fun here. God using governments. I know that's kind of shocking. Somewhere in there is what we believe. Yep, exactly right. So, yep, yeah, absolutely. So that's also a work of the Lord, isn't it? <clears throat> Mary's maturity. Anything else? Some others? Yep, yep. Is it Mary, um, um, she was humble. Very good. That was the word. Very good. And that's certainly a work of the Lord, isn't it? That's exactly right. And so now what we have is God used government, and now God uses what? Yep. Regular and, for the sake of our conversation, low class, and you'll understand the meaning of that. Okay? Biblical. The star was mentioned already that God used the star. Yep. That's right. Good. Any others? Say that again. Very good. Is that is that this was God's covenant and this was God keeping His word. Okay, keeping His word. Okay. Very good. And not only that, don't overlook the miracle, the very miracle of the fact that the Holy Spirit was the father of this baby. Okay. And so that's a good one. So what we need to do is, is that one of the things is that, is that all things are possible, okay, and that Holy Spirit was Father, and in a miraculous way, Jesus Christ was implanted in Mary. Yes, and that, actually that's a good thing not to overlook, isn't it? Very good. God, Son, Creator, became, yes, an embryo. And that's the thing I was going to say. It's not, not just a baby, but understand what size was he when he became a baby. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure we can quite get that small. Anna, very good, and that's exactly right. Anna was obedient, and then we saw that God did a great work with her, right? Okay, and God moved her in different ways. Others? Okay, very good. And and we can just make a great big one on that, is that there was a fulfillment of prophecy. And what we need to do on the prophecy, we could spend a lot of time here. Let's talk about where the baby would be born. And, and the fulfillment of the prophecy of where the baby would be born required God to intervene, did it not? The require, requirement of the prophecy that my son was called out of Egypt required God to intervene. The, requi- the prophecy being fulfilled that he grew up in Nazareth required intervention by God. The, the prophecy being fulfilled by the wise men, knowing that a baby was going to be born, required intervention from God. Okay? So, obviously, God was in this story all over the place. Yep, came out, he came out of Egypt, required intervention from God. It, it is, it's in the Word of God. That's exactly right. And actually, we're going to talk about that in a moment. So you come back to that, okay? That's exactly right. Anything else about the story? Yes. Absolutely. And that's one of the miracles is that God says he foreknew us, just like he did with John the Baptist and, and how all that came to pass, right? Absolutely. Yes. Very good. Simeon's blessing was an Old Testament prophecy, all right, and Old Testament words, okay? And that's God using His Word, and that's God intervening and doing some things. Yes? Exactly right. So we have God keeping men engaged in this whole process, okay? All right? And um, and He and He... And he was using humanity and keeping them engaged that they would see. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. With the the kings and all of that, that was absolutely uh, an aspect of God saying that this is great, great joy for all nations. You bet. Is Is that outside of what we see at the birth... And, and oftentimes people say this, they say that the wise men were the first ones to worship. Not quite, but we understand what they mean when they say that, okay? The death of the innocents, and that's, and that's a good thing because we want to we skip that. But we understand that, that there, were, there were death of innocents, that, that, that when, when people rebel against God, there are consequences, aren't there? It was prophesied that it would happen. That's exactly right, that there would be a great cry. That's exactly right. Yes? Very good. That is a great one. Joseph accepted Mary, and let's be honest, that probably took some divine intervention. Right? Because every, everything, his culture, his upbringing, and everyone in his life would have been telling him, 
don't do it. Very good. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. And so what we see in that is we see we see God's work again. And we saw that earlier. We wrote that down, God's people serving God. God's work in transforming lives, okay? And we see that because when you see a mature Christian, why is that? God's transforming a life, okay? Never, never minimize that. Yes, Yeah, I think the parents were part of that, absolutely. We don't, I mean, we're assuming at that point, but I think that that was part of it, too. I, I think that the parents were, yeah, probably incredibly supportive, but we don't know positive. Yes? Oh. That's good. So the wise men followed God rather than going back and, and maybe... Um, uh, possibly reaping some earthly rewards, they instead listened to the angel, didn't they? Because it's possible they would have been maybe... Way to go, fellas. Yeah, exactly right. So the wise men did follow God rather than man. And that was certainly God's intervention, wasn't it? Okay. So let me go through these real quick here. And there's probably some others. We see... God's intervention, God's miracles, God's work in this story, people serving God. Zacharias chosen by Lot. I love that one. That was a really good one. Because the scripture said Zachariah was chosen by Lot, and the Old Testament tells us what? That God controls the lots. I like that. Very good. Wasn't that a lucky break? Okay. Zacharias controlled by Lot and, and his encounter uh, 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 that he was chosen, um, that two women were were in this that were significant, one older barren woman, one was a younger virgin, they both bore children. We see that the appearance of the angel some seven or eight times. We see the star and its appearance. And not only, we need to keep in mind, not only its appearance, but its, its guiding. What's one of the things that we know about stars? They do. They're pretty steady, aren't they? That wherever you saw that one star when you were five is still where that star is today, right? Okay, so this star moved and guided them. Um, Zacharias lost his voice and then regained his voice. The angels named the babies. Um, we recognize that John was all excited in the womb. Elizabeth receiving the Holy Spirit and able to know that Messiah was in Mary's womb. Um, that the angels appeared both in person and in dreams. That Simeon, um, that he was told that he would see the Lord and then he did see the Lord and that he was moved to be where he was at the right time and he was told about all of these things. We see that they received protection. God was using governments. Mary's maturity over and over again. Mary's humility. God using regular people and, in fact, the lowest of the low in that society at the time. God's covenant coming to pass, keeping his word. All things are possible, it says, and God proved that throughout this story, that the Holy Spirit was the Father and that the, the God, the Son, the creator of the universe began as an incredibly tiny infant. Anna, God moved her and she obeyed the fulfillment of prophecy. Simeon used the Old Testament words to bless this new child. The wise man in staying engaged for generation after generation after generation. The death of innocence, God used a whole bunch of people in the story. Joseph accepted Mary. 
God's work in transforming lives. The wise men were following God rather than following men. And there's probably more. Okay? It's an amazing thing when you read the story and you start to understand that God orchestrated event after event after event in some amazing ways. Okay? So, it's Christmas time. And it's a wonderful time. And we we like reading and sharing and we're excited. We're caught up in all of the fun stuff of, of Christmas and, and, and the miracles of Christmas. And it's such a wonderful, gushy, feely time. It's so fun and all that stuff, right? So do we believe in miracles today? Yes. With conviction. We had, yes. Do we believe in miracles today? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. It's not just the Christmas story. We do believe in miracles today. Do we believe in God's intervention today? Yes, we do. It's not just the biblical stories. Do we believe in God's providence and working out events for His glory? Yes, we do. We see evidence of that in the Bible. But we need to understand that it's still going on today. And we have talked, and it, it, you know, it's been a long time. I, I liked it so much. You know, there was a time when we were talking about testimonies and, and how we got saved, and we were sharing those for a while. And that, that has stuck in my brain for all that time since that happened. And, and, and I shared my story with you over a little bit of time and stuff like that. And you can look at your story of how you got saved. And if you, if you really look at it and step outside of your story and look at your story how you got saved, you know what you're going to see? You're going to see God's intervention, miracles and providence. That's what you're going to see over and over again. And if you step back, if you were saved later in life, uh, in your teens or after that, and you really step back and you look at, at your life before that, you know what you're going to see? You're going to see God working in your life to preserve you and to keep you and to protect you, to get you to hear so that you could be saved, to get you to hear so that you could be used by God. That's what you're going to see. Do we believe in miracles? You better believe we believe in miracles. Do we believe in God intervening in our lives? Absolutely we believe that. Do we believe in the providence of God orchestrating things and using evil, even evil governments to accomplish His will? You better believe we believe in those things. And one of the problems is with us as Christians is that we have... We way too often can't see the forest for the trees. We know there's a tree there. We know there's a handful of trees there. But we think that's all that there is. These 12 trees, that's it. We're in a grove of 12 trees. No, you're in a forest with millions of trees. And we need to back up every once in a while and say, look what God is doing. Look what God is accomplishing. And, let me, and then let's back up one more time. And somebody mentioned it because we saw it in the story. And as we look at everything that God did and all that God was orchestrating and all that God was bringing to pass and all that God was making happen, it was all, all about what? God's glory. Salvation, absolutely God's glory. Why does God save? His glory. It was about God's glory. Okay? We are in the midst of life right now. And it's hard for us to back up and say that is going on because God is orchestrating things for His glory right now. 
we can't get past the fact that this is happening right now, let alone that God may be orchestrating things. And then when you talk to me about God's glory on occasion when I'm in the midst of, of this thing, are you kidding? Serious? We need to back up. And we need to look at the big picture, and we need to look at the scriptures, and we need to say, there is sorrow that goes on in life. And you know what? It ended up to be for God's glory. And there is some difficulty, and you know what? It ended up being for God's glory. And God is at work through these things that I can't quite understand right now. And, and we look at story after story after story in the Bible, and we say, look what God did, and isn't that amazing that God works in the Old Testament? Hallelujah! Praise Him! Yeah, well, guess what? He works in 2018. And he's going to work in 2019 in your life. Imagine that. And you may not be able to see it very clearly right now, but it's for God's glory. Because God has never changed any of that. Not once. That's what he does. And it's an amazing thing. Yes, ma'am. I agree. I agree. I agree. We have a hard time seeing God behind things. Not just once in a while. I would suggest to you we have a hard time seeing God behind that sometimes more often than we see God. That it requires of us to to shift our focus and to shift our understanding. And it requires for us, and this is a big deal, it requires of us to walk by and live by and not sight. That's what it requires. I walk by sight all the time. And when I walk by sight, I don't see anything except what I see, which is oft times, what? Sad, frustrated. Unfair, what? Circumstances, absolutely. My vision, when I walk by faith, I see that maybe God is in this thing in ways that I can't even possibly comprehend. We're going to preach about that a little bit this morning. I'm going to go into that. And, 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 and I'll just share that right now, because I don't know how much I'm going to go into it, quite honestly, from the pulpit. But can you imagine? No, I'm not going to say I'll say it this morning. You have to come to church now. Yes. So many. Yep. 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 We want it to be about us, don't we? That you're exactly right. That's what it is. Turn with me to real quick. We got just a couple minutes. Turn with me to the Gospel of Mark. Okay, the Gospel of Mark. And, and let me read this story real quick because this is a significant thing. The God, oh, I didn't say what chapter yet. Thank you. <laughs> Every once in a while when I do that, people will look up at me, and, and it was Doris who looked at me, and, and she didn't say the words, but in her, voice, in her face it was, oh, what chapter? But come on. Come on. You can do it. Tell me. Mark chapter 2. In my brain, I think I told you. Mark chapter 2. It says this, when he came back to Capernaum several days afterwards, it was heard that he was at home. Mark chapter 2, verse 1, now verse 2. And many were gathered together so that there was no longer room, not even near the door, and he was speaking the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Being unable to get him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, 
And when they had dug an opening, they let up down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus, aware in his spirit that they are reasoning that way within themselves, said to them, Why are you reasoning about these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, pick up your pallet, and walk, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, Get up, pick up your pallet, and go home. And he got up and immediately picked up the pallet and went out in the sight of everyone so that they were all amazed and they were glorifying God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. What's the greatest miracle? Salvation. A changed life. That's the miracle. Can God orchestrate events? Yep. Does he? Sure he does. Can God heal? Yep. Does he? All the time. Can God move this, that? We can fill in the blanks forever. Absolutely. You betcha. What is the greatest thing that is going on on this earth on a regular basis that is displaying the glory of God and declaring to a watching world that God still lives and that Christmas is real and that the resurrection is real and that Jesus is alive still? It is changed lives. Because God says, we have a sin issue here. I want to introduce you to a changed way to look at it through the Holy Spirit, salvation, and let you know that there is a better world to come. You're going to have to deal with the effects of sin on this earth, but this is what's next. This is a good thing, and I just want you to know that that's way better than this. Changed lives. And I want you to understand something. When we fail to give God the glory, when we are asked to go through or we are asked to do some things, when we fail to listen to the voice of God and follow Him and obey Him, we are failing to properly demonstrate that changed lives are evidence of Jesus Christ being alive. That's what we we read in the Christmas story. That's what the point of that was. That's what the point of Jesus doing what he did with this story with the paralytic. I love this story because he says your sins are forgiven. And they're saying, what? You can't do that. Only God can do that. But only God can heal too. Yes, absolutely. Okay, stand up, walk here. Go. Yeah. It was forgiven. And here's what's amazing about just a side note. When you get frustrated with life and people not responding to the gospel, how come everybody in that world wasn't saved that moment? Boom. Instantly. Guys, did you see what happened? They went and talked about it, and a lot of people were saved. There's no doubt in my mind. But a lot of people's hearts were hardened even further that day. That's what it is. It's changed lives. And this is a remarkably cool story because of that. Because he says, I'll show you. I'll show you. Sure. Neither one of them are tough for God. And God does both of them. And there are sometimes when God takes us to a point where we have nothing else but Him, and He says, it's just, it's for my glory. It's for my glory. It's for my glory. One of the things that we need to understand as we celebrate the Christmas story is that as we look at everything that went on, there was a lot of sorrow associated with Christmas story. A lot of sorrow. 
a lot of difficulty, a lot of, are you kidding me? Seriously? This has to happen now? I have to do this now? That's going on now? I mean, a lot of it. But it was for God's glory that people would see that He works in a sinful world in remarkable ways. And when we look at a person like Mary and we say, look at her maturity, it is for God's glory. And when people look at us, and they may not use that phrase, but in effect they're saying, look at their maturity, it's for God's glory. And if there's anything that we can take with us during this Christmas season, take that. But God's still working in us. And He's doing some amazing things in us and around us and through us for His glory. No matter where you are, no matter what's happening, are you willing to be used by God in your life? Not just during the Christmas season when it's all cool, but during the dead of boring winter when it's not so exciting. Are you willing then? For God's glory. Father, we thank you very much for what you have done down through history and for what you've done in our life. How you orchestrate, you rearrange, you change by providence, by miracle, by intervention. You are a God who is actively involved in the universe. You have not wound it up and walked away and left us to our own devices. You are here. You are active. You are alive. You are present. And we praise you and thank you for it. And so, Lord, I pray that we would respond as many in this Christmas story responded. We would respond with following you and listening to you and obeying you and praising you and glorifying you and allowing you to work in us through the circumstances of this sinful world that you might receive the praise and the glory. Use us. Grow us. Father, for your glory, may we, may we be like these and shine for you. And we pray this in Jesus' name.